RC Top 3, a weekly podcast of the top three stories from Regnum Christi. Lessons from the Workshop of St. Joseph, Part 6, The Home Builder, by Father Daniel Brandenburg, L.C. Most of us have little sense of the work entailed in building a house, but in the days of pilgrim colonists or Daniel Boone, it was common for frontiersmen to build their own homes, and my dad certainly exhibited a similar indefatigable spirit and practice. You could say that my dad was a serial home builder, and learning from his craftsmanship has helped me to draw many parallels with St. Joseph's work in Nazareth, Bethlehem, Egypt, and back again to Nazareth. What can we learn from St. Joseph's workshop? After the jolt of discovering Mary's pregnancy and surprise of angelic instructions in a dream, we saw Joseph's noble handling of the situation. And now, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. We can unpack three profound lessons from this brief passage of Matthew's gospel as Joseph takes Mary as his wife to forge a family, commitment, craftsmanship, and creativity. Commitment. One of the myths of modernity is that we can have children grow up with single moms and turn out just fine. In the United States, out-of-wedlock childbirths make up over 40% of children, a massive increase from less than 10% in 1964. The negative consequences of this reality are well documented, and these children have life stacked against them. Poorer health at birth, delayed development in early childhood, diminished academic performance in school, emotional and behavioral problems, and prolongation of cycles of poverty. This doesn't mean these children are condemned to a terrible life. After all, every life is precious and good and full of potential, and some do thrive. But their path is statistically more difficult. While the causes of this phenomenon are complex and the solution is not easy, one of the most effective pathways to improving the odds for children is simple. Commitment. Men who take responsibility for their actions. Men who stick around to raise their progeny. Men who take their woman and forge a family, a home. Men who resist temptations to prioritize selfish urges and instead use their strength to serve, save, and build. Whether then or now, St. Joseph shows men that true love entails commitment. You cannot love if you are not ready for self-sacrifice in service of others. Self-giving, not feelings, not emotions, not sexual arousal, not words, is the mark of authentic love. Love commits. Man can fully discover his true self only in a sincere giving of himself. Gaudium et Spes, number 24. Such self-giving love entails a decision to be present, not to run away from responsibility, and to prepare a home for the beloved. All this is contained in those simple words. He took his wife. Commitment. God's plan for children and family is fuller than the legacy left by selfish sinfulness in society. The Holy Family is a model for every Christian family, and it is Joseph who initiates the family by committing to Mary and giving her his all. As an established and just man, Joseph provides legitimacy to the child, even though he is not the fruit of his loins. It is Joseph's house that establishes Davidic lineage and fulfillment of the prophecies. Craftsmanship By taking his wife, Joseph also takes on all the responsibility of preparing a worthy dwelling for Mary in Nazareth. 
How much time and energy had he invested in preparing that house for his bride? As a tecton, he had heightened skills for home building, and no doubt he took special pride investing his best work there, in materials, craftsmanship, inventive features, and attention to detail. This is what love does. Craftsmanship exceeds construction. It is about the dignity of work, not merely the drudgery of toil. Craftsmanship builds upon commitment, recognizing that attention to detail and excellence in what I do is to profess without words that I love, that I care, that I am making a difference in the world, and that I am participating in the creative work of the Creator. Joseph's home benefited Mary, but it was also a place to welcome strangers, orphans, widows, and anyone in need. It was the place where he welcomed the pregnant virgin. The addition of the feminine genius to his masculine provision paves the way for expansion, for family. Now, with a wife and child on the way, the house becomes a home. Home should be a haven from noise, a refuge from the world's decay and destruction, a safe space to be oneself and rejuvenate, and a launching pad for greatness. The home that Joseph prepared through his loving craftsmanship was all of that. Creativity During my months of recovery from cancer and a bone marrow transplant, I was too weak to work, and chemo fog still impeded my mental capacity. So I took up the hobby of crafting stained glass windows. Like my experience with building our family home years earlier, I discovered the satisfaction of work well done and the joys of harnessing art and creativity into something new and beautiful. That period of my life coincided with the spiritual exercises retreat in my daily life, and the meditations on God's creation plumbed new depths. In my personal journal, I wrote the following. I am at the beginning of the 19th annotation, meditating on creation while creating art in the form of stained glass windows for the chapel. The work of creation is all-absorbing, and time doesn't seem to exist, as it doesn't for God. Everything becomes now. Concern is not for how much time is allotted, but to getting it right, in proportion, balanced, beautiful. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to participate in your work as Creator. When we create, a natural pride is attached to our work, unleashing a desire to share it, have others enjoy it, and even to defend it. I experienced this with my stained glass, and no doubt St. Joseph felt the same in crafting a home for Mary and the soon-to-arrive child, his family. Work, craftsmanship, and hobbies lived with the right spirit and balance of responsibilities are beautiful and good, not an irresponsible waste of time. On the one hand, a person participates in the creativity of God. On the other, it showcases the marvels of his creation. During his home building, I can see Joseph shaping the beams, pitching the roof, crafting the fireplace and chimney, making it all a labor of love. This type of work is participation in God's creative work. Participation isn't God using a robot or inanimate tools, but rather like a father in the workshop with his son, instructing, guiding, holding his hand to the tool, explaining, and letting go, as appropriate to the situation. I can see St. Joseph feeling the guiding hand of God the Father as he builds his home, and that same experience he mysteriously conveys later to his foster son in his workshop. It's not simply about production, but rather a relationship that elevates, completes, and enriches the son. Working in this participative, creative way allows us to experience the heart of God the Father. By participating in this way in God's creation, 
confidence grows, based not simply on self, but on the relationship with the Father and the experience shared with Him. When I watch others create or use their God-given talents, I can also recognize something more about God's creative power. Recognizing work as more than cold production, but rather as relational creativity, also helps to value nature surrounding us as God does. We are stewards of our world and of creation, meant to care for, organize, and marshal those resources for the good of all, including future generations. We can recognize the theological relevance of conservation and sound ecological efforts, as proposed by Pope Francis in his encyclical Laudato Si. We are called to be faithful stewards, respecting all God has placed at our disposition as a sacred gift and using all created things for His glory. The commitment, craftsmanship, and creativity that St. Joseph poured into preparing a home for his loved ones continues to provide tremendous lessons for us today. Jesus learned these things from Joseph, and he could later say that he, too, would go to prepare a place for us in heaven, our eternal home. May the handiwork, sacrifice, and labor invested in my home, work, and hobbies always be an offering of love for my family and dependents, and not simply for selfish gratification or self-aggrandizement. May we remain attentive to the needs of our neighbors, open to any indigent, and responsible stewards of our common home in all of creation, for this and for future generations. Musings on Motherhood by Corinne Medrana Being a mom is something most girls think and dream about at some point in their life. The reality of motherhood can never be grasped in those fanciful imaginings. Motherhood for me is such an integral part of my identity. It made me who I am today. I feel that I am my truest self as a mother, and no doubt that this stage in my life will continue to make me into who I am meant to be. It is a unique journey, yet so very universal at the same time. A mother always learns from past experiences, marveling and reminiscing as she watches those following after her own footsteps. A mother also draws strength and hope for the future, especially from other mothers like herself. Explore the reality of motherhood with me through the experiences of three generations of moms in excerpts and highlights from this conversation I had with Tita Nita Peña and Rina Santos. Is motherhood what you thought it would be before you came a mom? Rina, as a little girl, you'll always look at your mom and say, Oh, that's my goal. I want to be a mom. I remember the day that I gave birth to Jacobo. I was just looking at him for such a long time, and I thought, Oh my, it's far more. It exceeded whatever I thought it would be. Tita Nita. When I had my first child, actually she was premature, so she was in the incubator for one month, and at that time neonatology was still in its infancy, so I wasn't sure if she would make it or not. So at that point... I really appreciated that motherhood is really not all roses. Core. Motherhood taught me love. I can't not love my children, even if I'm angry or upset. Unlike if you have a falling out with a friend or a boyfriend, the love can end. But as a mother, I have understood the love that becomes who you are and can't be reduced, changed, or erased. How has motherhood changed you? Rina. When I was single, I wasn't really afraid to die. I thought, okay, I go to confession regularly. I do my share of good things. I don't think I'll go to hell. So I wasn't really afraid. I had no one to care for. But then now, 
who's going to love my kids as much as I love them? Titanita. With motherhood, my time wasn't mine anymore. It was for my children and my family. My career as a physician became second place. How would you describe or what characterizes the stage of motherhood you're in now? And how are you as a mother in this phase? Rina. Titanita said, My time is not mine anymore, but I'm still hoping to have that chance of my time. I'm still bargaining. I'm still fighting for that. There hasn't been a complete surrender yet. I also have to work. We won't survive if it's just going to be papa. I'm still struggling, but then every night I go to sleep and feel that it wasn't enough. Titanita. At this stage now, all the children are married. They have their own families. I stay out of the circle. I'm just a watcher now. I see that the way I brought them up has helped them. I have my boundaries. I don't go beyond that. The rest is prayers. I cover them with prayers every day. Sometimes just watching is difficult, but I try to restrain myself and let them learn from their own mistakes because that's the best way to learn things. It's hard, but we won't be here all the time, so they have to really learn to be on their own. What is the best part about motherhood for you? Rina. Everything. Cuddles, the affection that you get from them, the satisfaction of them learning new things and voicing out their own ideas from what you taught them, or when they give you good advice. Titanita. Seeing my grandchildren. Gor. My dad says grandkids are a return on investment already. You get to enjoy all the cuddles and the affection, but you don't have the responsibility. Titanita. It's so nice when they come. They would come every Friday, and for me the best part is to see them go home with their parents. I don't have to sleep with them and tuck them in bed. Cor. You get all the great part of parenting. As you said, though, it's not a bed of roses. But now you get all the roses without the thorn with grandkids. Any last thoughts you'd like to share? Rina. Before being a mom... Your apostolate is always outside with your friends. The moment you become a mom, your apostolate really changes. Before, I felt bad because we couldn't go to Encounter with Christ so much because we were all young moms. Our breastfeeding dictated our schedule, etc. I felt I was just taking advantage of the benefits of being an RC member, but not sharing it with anyone else. But now I realize this is even a bigger mission. You're going to see it in the lives of the people they become friends with and the people they will influence. Before, I had big apostolic dreams, but now my only apostolic dream is to really get my kids to heaven. Titanita The family is the basic unit of society. They are the building blocks. When my children got married, I told each of them, Bring your families to heaven. You're so blessed you're with the movement. You have the materials to help you build a good foundation. New booklet shares the evangelizing impact of the consecrated women of Regnum Christi. Lisa Small, a consecrated woman of Regnum Christi and the director of communications for their North American territory, often gets asked, what exactly do consecrated women do? So in collaboration with the Regnum Christi Federation, she worked to develop a great new resource to answer that question, a digital and print booklet called CRC Impact. CRC Impact shares the stories and missions of 12 consecrated women of Rigmund Christi in the North American Territory, 
and includes a directory of all their communities and the evangelizing programs they are involved with. The consecrated women you'll meet in CRC Impact have varied backgrounds and diverse missions in the Church, but evident in all of them are the common threads of the Regan Christi charism and a new mature confidence in their unique identity as lay consecrated women who are part of a broader spiritual family. Kathleen Murphy, Territorial Director of the North American Territory, introduces the stories in a letter at the beginning of the booklet and invites people to get to know the consecrated women. We evangelize in schools, parishes, diocesan offices, youth programs, spiritual direction, preaching, and giving retreats, endeavoring to respond to the needs of the church and society with our charism and bring people to a deep encounter with Christ. In this collection of testimonies, we hope to honor God and the work He is doing through these 12 consecrated women of Regnum Christi. We pray that God continues to bless the impact they are making on countless young people, families, and women in our territory and around the whole world. In each story, you'll find a woman who has embraced her vocation to live completely for God, while still being present in the secular world. These women do not shy away from the complex and challenging realities of our culture. Instead, they lean in with innovative and deep ways to evangelize, accompanying people on their faith journeys. Am I loved? Do I matter? Am I enough? These are some of the most intimate questions on the hearts of today's adolescents, and ones which Emily Roman, a campus minister at Pinecrest Academy in Cumming, Georgia, tries to help high school students find answers to. There was a time that I didn't believe that God could want me, one student wrote to Emily a week before graduation. But the way you smiled at me made me believe that he does. Tammy Grady, who just celebrated her 25th anniversary of consecration and works as an associate vocations director for the Diocese of Dallas, shares what makes her passionate about her mission. There are young people still today who want to know where the Lord is leading them, to put God first in their life, to make a difference in this world. I feel like I'm walking on sacred ground, helping them to see where the Lord has been leading them. I've come to realize that just as Jesus personally accompanied and formed his own disciples, this is also at the heart of who a consecrated woman is, a spiritual mother who encounters, forms, and accompanies others by meeting us where we are and embracing us, explains Mary Smith, a consecrated woman living and working in Washington, D.C. I am not imitated by the secular world. I feel comfortable bringing God to people who need Him, but don't realize they need God. The human heart is hungry for God, even if they don't realize it. Emily, Tammy, and Mary are three of the consecrated women you'll meet in CRC Impact. Lisa Small hopes this tool will be a helpful way for people to get to know them and the vocation they share with 85 others in this territory. She also sees CRC Impact as a great way to introduce others to the consecrated women of Regan Christi, whether they are young women discerning a vocation, diocesan and religious clergy, parents of youth in the schools, programs, and missions they work in, or people who may want to support their evangelizing mission. CRC Impact can be found on the website of the Consecrated Women of Regnum Christi. You can also check out RC Impact, which shares the evangelizing mission of the Regnum Christi Federation through stories of evangelization lived out by members of three different vocations, lay members, consecrated women, and priests of the Legionaries of Christ. For more resources, visit www.regnumchristi.org or download the Regnum Christi English app today.